All right, we'll say good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors of today's daf. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Teves, Yol and Sarah Kelman, for dedicating the Shurim and Drashos in this month in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oriya Tahel, and in the hope that all those davening for the bracha of children will have their tefillos answered Bekarov. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating all the Shurim and Drashos this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Svi and Naftali Moshe, Shirley Elbaum and family in commemoration of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov, Kapo Ben, Ravaram, Menachem. We hope that in the merit of our time, the Nisham will have an aliyah and the family in Chama. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Baruch and Bracha Rifkin, in commemoration of the yard site of Rabbi Ruvain Rifkin, Harav Ruvain Ben Svi. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an aliyah and the family in Chama. And Menachem and Susie Schoenfeld for dedicating the daf today in the Zechus of a continued Rafua Shalimah for Michael Goldsmith, um, who Baruch Hashem and of the Chevra just met. I don't know if he's going to we'll see if, he, if he's here this morning. It was uh, quite a party last night, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> so, uh, who was many of the Chevra were introduced to last night at the Siyum, who really delivered a beautiful and overwhelming Devar Torah last night during our, during our Siyum. Kodesh Baruch Hu should just grant him a continued refuah and continued Hatzlacha Me'eva Esim Shanim Tovos. And I will say Yeshikach to everyone who, uh, who was part of last night's Simcha. So special, so beautiful, so wonderful. Thank you again to all of our sponsors, to our caterer, to a uh, special thank you also, not only to John Kaplan who was kidding, but also to Saeed for Mamisha helping with all of the choreography behind the scenes as well. Mamisha, beautiful, beautiful Simcha Satora. And we should be Zoha to celebrate many beautiful milestones together in the years to come. Amen. So we'll say today's daf. Today's daf, today's beautiful, magnificent, and overwhelming daf is Yud Aleph. We are picking up Mir Sashem on Yunabu Days 10b, and we are picking up about 22 lines up from the bottom. Yeah, I know. Rabbi Levi says as follows We have a Masora. We have a tradition from our ancestors, which is Fascinating idea that the Aron, the Ark itself, the Ark itself, did not occupy physical space within the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Ina Minamida literally means is not part of the measurements, which means that the, we're going to see in just a moment, the Aron itself did not actually occupy physical space in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Tayin HaMeyach HaBraith that supports this. Here we go. Aron Ruach. So interestingly enough, we know that it said that there were 10 Amos of space between the Aron and the walls of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So ten Amos, so say you see the Aron and the walls. Uksiv, Lifnei Advir, Esrim, Amo, Orech. So I will say, furthermore, we know that ultimately, again, the Kodesh HaKadoshim itself was 20 Amos in length. So we've got ten Amos in space between the Aron and each wall, and the Kodesh HaKadoshim itself being 20 Amos long. Furthermore, it says, Uksiv, Knaf HaKarova Echad Esr Amos, Furthermore, it says that the wing of each, the wing of each of Kruv, the Kruv, remember again, were like the angelic type figures perched on the lid of the Aron. So the span of each wing was 10 Amos, which I will say means what? Which means that the span of the Aron itself was 20 Amos. The length of the Kodesh HaKadoshim was 20 Amos. And yet, again, we're being told that there's 10 Amos in between the side of the Aron and each wall of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which doesn't make any sense. Because it sounds like the Aron itself would have filled every single inch of space or Amma of space in the Kodesh HaKadoshim itself. Yet we're being told that's not the case. To which the Gemara says, Aron, Gufa, with those measurements, where was the Aron itself situated? Rather, I will say again, you see from here that the Aron itself was miraculously housed in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That the Aron, remember also what the Gemara is pointing out over here is the dimensions of the Aron and the dimensions of the Kodesh HaKadoshim do not reconcile with each other. Rather, it must be Aron Eno Min Hamida. The Aron did not take up physical space in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which I will say is a dramatic and overwhelming idea, 
but leads one to a very simple question, why? You will say, in the world of miracles, there are two different types of miracles. There are utilitarian miracles and message miracles. Utilitarian miracles are miracles that Kalish Baruch has to perform in order to accomplish some type, or in order to address some type of need. Right? The paradigmatic example of that would be the splitting of the Yamsa, splitting of the Red Sea. The Egyptians are in hot pursuit, there's a body of water in front of us. HaKadosh Baruch who needs to split the water in order to get us across. That's a utilitarian miracle. But then there's something else that's called a message miracle. And a message miracle means something that is not necessary, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu is teaching us a lesson. He's trying to convey to us some... So as you look at a miracle like this, that the Aron doesn't occupy any physical space, and you wonder to yourself... Why? So, like, why not just build a bigger Kodesh HaKadoshim, right? In other words, was, this is not like a building fund issue, you know, right? So just build a bigger Kodesh HaKadoshim. Elamai, perhaps the message that Kodesh Baruch Hu was trying to teach us was an incredible yisod, that Torah can exist even under physically impossible circumstances. You see, there are some things that you could only do when physicality allows for it. And then there are other things that can be accomplished even if there is no physical way to make it happen. I was just learning with a, with a bar mitzvah boy yesterday, helping him prepare his Devar Torah, and we were learning a piece from the Piazetzna, Piazetzna, and he had never heard of the Piazetzna before. And I said to him, tell me where you go to school right now. I'm calling your principal. How can you never heard of the Piazetzna? What kind of chinuch is that? A kid never hears about the Eish Kodesh. Less than a hundred years ago, one of the most important figures, right? The Eish Kodesh, the Piazetzna. So I explained about the Piazetzna and he was wound by the story. I said, that's Aron Eino Minamida. The fact that Torah can be taught in the Warsaw Ghetto under the most horrific of circumstances in the midst of the most profound brutality that mankind has ever seen and that we're able to learn Torah and that Torah was still able to learn today, that's what it means. Aron eno min hamida. Torah is lemala min hateva. It is beyond the realms of the natural order of the world. We're able to learn Torah in the most ridiculous of circumstances. Torah is able to survive in the most overwhelming of circumstances. And Torah is able to anchor us even when physically there should be no reason that we should be able to survive and persevere. That's the message that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was trying to teach us. The Aron itself did not fit into the physical dimensions of the Beis HaMikdash. But yet somehow it was there. Sometimes our physical circumstances do not allow for certain things. But even when physically things become impossible, Torah is always able to endure. An incredible use of it. The Yomar goes right. Rabbi Yochanan Pasach Lepischa Lahai Parshas Amelach. So we'll say, we're going to spend the bulk of today's dafan, Zemir Tzashem, being able to see something very interesting, which is the way that different Tanoim and Amoraim introduced their shiurim on Megillas Esther. So that's what it means. This is Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yonasan Pasach Lepischa. Rabbi Yonasan gave the following introduction. This was his introduction to Megillah. He gave his introduction to Megillah. Parshat so the Pasuka is referring to the destruction of Bavel. So both say, so what does the mean Baruch who says, I will go ahead and rise up against Bavel, and again I will go ahead and cut off from Bavel. What does this mean? Shame Zak Sav. I will eradicate the writing of Babel. Right? Babylonian alphabet writing of Babel. Sher Zeloshon, Babylonian language. Nin Zemalchus, I will cut off Babylonian monarchy. Benechad Zuvashti, Akara Vashti. Remember again, Vashti was the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. Rabbi Shlomar Achmani, Pasach Lepischa, the High Parashas Mehacha. Rabbi Shlomar Achmani would open up his discussion on Megillah from here. Tachas Hanatsuts Yale Berosh, the Tachas Hasir Pad Yale Hadas. Both say the Pasach says we read this again on the Aftar on fast days. Literally, underneath the Natsuts, Natsuts are thorns. Instead of thorns, the cypress will grow. Tachasasirpad is also a type of thorns. Ya'alehadas, the myrtle will grow. Well, isn't that beautiful this is? Tachasana'atsuts. Who is this thorn? Tachas Hamana Rasha. Sha'asa Atzma Avodazara. We also will get into this in the Agarata and the Megillah. Haman made himself into a deity. So he was the thorn. Tirsiv. Obechal hanatsutim, obechal hanahalulim yale berosh. Who's so? Who's the cypress? 
that will rise up instead of the thorns, Zem Mordechai. Mordechai is, Mordechai is the cypress who will rise up instead of the thorns of Haman. Shanikra Rosh Lechalav Esamim. Bosei, listen to this. Mordechai, Mordechai is called the Rosh Lechalav Esamim. That's, the, see, it's a little bit of a play on words. It's Tachas Anatzutz, instead of the thorns, the thorns are Haman, Ya'aleb Berosh. The cypress, now we translate Berosh as the cypress, that's Mordechai. But I will say, it's a little bit of a play on words. Mordechai is called Rosh. Why is Mordechai called Rosh? So I will say, those of us who say Kitoras every morning, will recognize this drasha. Shenemar, the ata kach lecha besamim rosh mar diror. You shall go ahead and take for yourself besamim rosh, right? Besamim rosh. The first of the besamim mar diror. That's the that's the name of the that's the name of the herb. But the targum says in the targuminon mari dachi. Now we'll say what's the what's the Aramaic for mar diror? Mari Dachi. And when you put Mari Dachi together, what do you get? Mordechai. Mordechai. How beautiful is that? Right? How beautiful is that? Oh, that, and that's, that, that's the play on words over here. So, Berosh means Cyprus. But ultimately, again, it's referring to Mordechai, who is the Rosh of the Bissamim. He was the most fragrant. The most fragrant. Ult- Michael, Shalom Aleichem. Baruch Abba. Welcome. Welcome. He was right. He was the he was the rosh. He was he was the, the best of the besamim, the most fragrant of all the besamim. Tachas has sirpad underneath again the thorns. Tachas vashti harasha paspenosha levuchanetzar shesaraf refidas beis Hashem dechseb refidaso zav. So we'll say so underneath vashti. Right, vashti is also considered to be the thorns. The granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar, yala hadas. The hadas will sprout up, and who is the hadas? Esther Hatzadekes Shenikres Hadasa. We will say this refers to Esther Amalka, who is called Hadasa. Now, when we get into the Megillah, because we're going to go through the Megillah, when we get through the Megillah, we'll see a beautiful interpretations as to why she was called Hadasa. Shenemar Vahi Omin Es Hadasa. Vahaya Hashem Lashem. By what is Mikra Megillah. This refers ultimately again to the reading of the Megillah. The Os Olam Lo Yikares, for all eternity it shall not be cut off. Ela Yimei Purim. These are the days of Purim. So therefore, Rabbi Sayyid understood that this Pasuk, this entire Pasuk, was a metaphor to the replacement of, Ahash, to, of Haman with Mordechai, to the replacement of Vashti with Esther, and to the eternal, to, to the, an ode to the, or I should say, an eternal ode to the salvation of the Jewish people, Purim and Megillah. Rabbi Shubin Levi, he introduced Megillah with the following drasha. So we'll say here, the Gemara quoting the Pasuk, quoting the Pasuk from Dvarim. So the Pasuk literally says, and it will be, as Hashem rejoiced on you to do good, so he shall rejoice to visit Ra upon you. So the Gemara says, what does that mean? Does Yavoshalom rejoice? Over the downfall of the wicked, Baksiv, Kili Olam Yet the Pasik says when you shall go out before the Khalots. So I'll say this Pasik over here is in Divrahayamim, and Rashi explains that this is talking about when Yahushafat went out to battle against the Ammonim and the Givonim. So the Pasik says, the Pasik says, ultimately when you go out. You will say, Hodu la Hashem kili olam chasdo. Give praise to Hashem for his salvation, right? Because his chesed is forever. But if you notice, it doesn't say what? It doesn't say, Hodu la Hashem kitov, right? Kitov is missing. Van Rabbi Yochanan, Neymalo Neymar kitov bhodazu, the fisheena kodesh parach usamech mapalasan shalashan. Because the Rebbe does not rejoice over the downfall of the wicked. Rebbe is an incredible idea. Van Rabbi Yochanan, my dechsev. So I listen to this. This is by Kriyas Yamsov. Bikshu Lomar Shira. The Malochim wanted to sing Shira when Akudish Baruch Hu drowned the Egyptians in the Yamsov. Amr Akudish Baruch Hu said, Yadai Tovin Bayam. The Atta Omrim Shira. Hakudish Baruch Hu said, My creations, my creations are drowning in the sea, and you want to sing Shira. Bose, an incredible Yisod. It's very important to understand. We, the Jewish people, have not cornered the market on God, right? God does not belong to us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the God of all humanity. 
We are privileged to enjoy a unique relationship with Him, but the Rebbe love extends upon every single human being. There is a beautiful and unique relationship that Am Yisrael enjoys with the Rebbe Shalom, but it is so incredibly important to understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the God of humanity. In fact, the hallmark of the Messianic era is the fact that humanity will recognize the Ribbono Shel Olam as their God. That's what Mashiach is all about. So Hashemarach who says, Malachim, you want to sing Shira, you want to sing a song that the Egyptians are drowning in the sea. They're not my children. They're not my children. I can't, can't sing Shira when my children are suffering, when my children are drowning. So ultimately, again, Sadiq Gimar says, you're right. Amr Abelazar, who ain't us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not rejoice upon the downfall of the wicked, but he allows others to rejoice. He allows others to rejoice. The Pasuk says, The Pasuk says, They shall rejoice. It doesn't say, He shall rejoice. He opened his drasha on, on Megillah in the following Pesukim. The Adam, quoting over here, quoting over here from, from Koheles, the Adam should tell the fun of Nasan Chachma, the Das Vesimcha. So we'll say, let's listen to this. So, according over here, Kila Adam Shetov, the fun of Nasan Chachma, the Das Vesimcha. So, for the person who is good in front of Akadish Parahu, Ribon Shalom is given Chachma, Das, and Simcha. Who does that refer to? Zem Mordechai at Sadik. This refers to Mordechai. Ulechote Nasan. Ulechote Nasan. Inyan Lesof Lichnos. And ultimately, again, for the sinner, for the sinner, he has given, literally, again, the Inyan, Lichnos, will be collected and drawn to himself, Zeh Haman. This refers to Haman. Pasuk says that Esther placed Mordechai, is the end of the Megillah, uh, but he, she essentially gave Mordechai the house of Haman. He opened his discussion of Megillah from the following. King in this context refers to Vashti. Sarim Zehaman Vaseres bin Vaseres Bana and his ten sons. Rav Dimi Bar Yitzchak Pasuk LePiskal Hay Bar Shasam Yehacha. Rav Dimi Bar Yitzchak he opened his discussion on Megillah from the following. Both say top line of Yudalif from Adalif. Good. Today's that we made it. Ki Avadim Anachnu O Be Avadosenu Lo Azavnu Elokim Vayit Aleinu Chesed Lifne Chesed Nei Malchei Paras. So both say listen to this. So the Gemara is quoting the pasuk. From Tehillim, right? Literally, again, for we are servants. We are servants. But in our servitude, we never left you, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And the Ribbon Shalom put Chesed in front of us by Malchei Paras. When is this? This is referring ultimately again to our day, to the days of Haman. Even though we were in servitude, and even though there was the threat of annihilation. We never left you, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa Pasach LePiskal Hay Parshas Menacha. Rabbi Chanina Bar. Let's say the the point, by the way, just to understand, like what the point of all of this is. If you notice, what's happening is all of these different rabbanim are trying to show the story of Hest of Esther, just alluded to and hinted to in other texts. That's what's happening over here. And again, we'll see what they really do is they developed drushas on this as Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa Pasach LePiskal Hay Parshas Menacha. Literally, again, you have placed man on top of us. We have gone through the fire and the water. What does this mean? We have gone through the fire. This is in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. In the days of Paro. What does it mean, water in the days of Paro? So remember, again, a reference to two things. Number one, Kriyas Yamsuf. Also, this week's parasha, Kalabain Hayilod Hayyora Tashlichuhu, Paro's original decree. We'll say, sometimes, right, you take a step back for a moment. Like, I would I just tell you, I had this like moment last night when, right, we're, we're celebrating together a beautiful su'uda, such a sense of chevrashat camaraderie. And you think for a moment, like in the midst of that, what we've been through as a people. Right? You think about these things. Literally, it's this week's parasha. It's this week's parasha when Paro says, right, to, to his nation, 
throw the Jewish babies into the Nile. You know, we read it as a Pasuk in Chumash, but close your eyes and just imagine that moment when, when mothers, when fathers hear that their babies are going to be thrown into the Nile. And it's, it's overwhelming. And think about this. Think that, that's one episode. That's one episode in thousands of years of heartbreak. Right? And yet, we're learning the daf. Learning the daf. We're learning Torah. Am Yisrael is strong. Am Yisrael is vibrant. Am Yisrael is overwhelmingly amazing. It's incredible. Right? It's, it's absolutely, we, sometimes we don't think about it, but to think of everything we've gone through and now where we are in this world and who we are, it's a nice nigla. Each of us, each of us, is Each of us is a walking, talking, living, breathing miracle. And we should never lose sight of that. So the Gemara goes back there. So the Gemara says, but we went through fire and water. When did we go through fire and water? In the days of Paro and the Vuchanetzar. So the Gemara says, that refers to the days of Haman. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Sorry, Zohar Chasdov Yemunaso, Leves Yisrael, Ra'o Ka'afsi Aretz, Ace Yeshuas Elokim. So, we'll say again another passage from Tilim. Zohar Chasdov Yemunaso, Leves Yisrael, he remembered his Chesed and his faith in Klal Yisrael, Ra'o Ka'afsi Aretz Yeshuas Elokinu. Right, all the corners of the world, all those, right, all those leaders in the world saw the salvation of our God. When was this? A Masara Ka'afsi Aretz Yeshuas. Can I say first of the widest lines on the daf? Ultimately, again, when did all the nations of the world see our salvation? Bimei Mordechai and Esther. In the days of Mordechai and Esther. Beautiful. Reish Lakish will say first of the widest lines on your Aleph, Amad Aleph, three, six, about nine lines down from the top. Reish Lakish, Pasach Lepeschalahai Parsha Samehacha. Reish Lakish opened his discussion of the Megillah from the following Pasach. Ari Nohem Vidov Shokek. Moshe Rasha Al Andal. The Pasik says literally the lion roars and the bear growls. Moshe Rasha Al Amdal. The Rasha, the wicked, rule over the impoverished nation. Who does this refer to? Arino Haim Zenavuchanetzar. The roaring lion, that's the Vuchanetzar Harasha. The Chsiv Bey. Allah Arye Misovcho. Dov Shokeik, who's the growling bear? Zeachashverosh. In general, the bear refers to the Persians. This is interesting. Apparently, Persians. Persians eat and drink like bears, which is a lot, which is a lot. They're obese like bears. And they're hairy like bears. Okay, so this was the, this was Chazal's description of the, of the ancient Persians. Okay. And interestingly enough, they find no rest like bears. I guess I, I always thought bears sleep for a long time, but apparently bears are restless animals. So the Persians too, they find no rest like Dov, right? So the Gemara, who is the ruler who is wicked? Zehaman. This refers to Haman. Al-Amdal, who ruled over an impoverished nation. Who is that? Elu Yisrael Shindalin Mina Mitzvahs. This refers to Klal Yisrael, ultimately, who are impoverished from mitzvos. So I will say, remember again, we'll get into this more, but the state of Ruchnius, of Klal Yisrael, in the beginning of the Megillah, was very low, was very compromised, right? Our spiritual state was compromised in the beginning of the Megillah. And I will say, you know, the way it works is very simple. Amalek over, always gets the upper hand when we are spiritually compromised. That's the way it works. This is the constant struggle between Yaakov and Esav. Remember again, Amalek is a grandson of Esav. This was the struggle that began in the womb of Rivka Imenu. Habanim Bekirba. This is Yaakov holding on to the heel of Esav. This is the bracha of Esav. Right, Rav Yaavod Sa'ir Ulom This constant struggle. So when does the Russia have the upper hand? When it's an Amdal, when Klal Yisrael is spiritually compromised. So the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, 
Um, you saw that Rabbi Elazar Pasach Le Pisch Lai Parshas Mihacha. Rabbi Yitzchak he opened his conversation from here. So Ba'atzal Taim Yima Hamikara Ubishiflus Yadaim Yidlov Habayis. Literally again, Ubaatzal Taim with laziness, the ceiling will collapse. Ubishiflus Yadaim Yidlov Habayis, and with weakness of hands, the home will leak. What does this refer to? Because of the laziness of Klai Yisrael that we did not engage in Torah. Literally again, the enemies of God, I've also seen this enough, the enemies of God is a metaphor for who? Klai Yisrael, when we don't do the mitzvah, so we become the enemies of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we become weakened. Mach ultimately again means impoverished. Who is the ceiling, so to speak? So we'll say, isn't that beautiful, by the way, the Ribbon Shalom referred to as the ceiling of Klal Yisrael. Where there is laziness, we'll say, what a profound idea. Where there is laziness from Klal Yisrael, Yimach Ultimately, the ceiling collapses. The ceiling is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When I'm strong and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, the ceiling is strong. But the moment I become lazy is chas v'shalom when the ceiling collapses. What a, what a profound metaphor. For he opened his drasha from the following. So we'll say, what does this mean? Shirama, song of a sense. Lule Hashem Shahayalan, word not for Hashem by our side or was with us. Yomar no Yisrael. Lule Hashem Shahaya Lano Bekum Aleinu Adam. It was, right, if it were not for HaKadosh Baruch who was with us, when a man rose up against us. Adam below Melech. Interestingly enough, I will say, who rose up against us? A man and not a king. Who is that a reference to? Haman. Haman, who rose up against us, who was not a king. He was just an Adam. He ultimately rallied a king, but he was not a... Rava Pazach Lepischalai Parashasa Rava opened this discussion from the following... So he quotes over here, Birabos Tzadikim Yismach Am, Obemshol Rasha Ye'anach Am. Literally again, Birabos Tzadikim. Birabos could either mean, could either mean amplification, exalted, growth of the Tzadik, ultimately the nation will rejoice, with the rulership of the Rasha, the nation will groan. Birabos Tzadikim Yismach Am, Zemordechai Ve'ester. So ultimately this refers to Mordechai Nesar, Dixiv, We'll say, isn't this beautiful? When the nation sees tzaddikim, and I will say, sometimes one of the greatest challenges we have is sometimes like, you know, it's hard for Kalal Yisrael to rally around tzaddikim, right? Even if you ask people, like, who's the God of Hadar? Well, it depends who you ask, right? It depends who you ask. Is this, right? This, that. Hey, so uh, there's a certain sadness to that. So part of the beauty of the Purim story is that if you ask people in the aftermath of the Purim story, who are the tzaddikim in the generation, what would they answer? What would they answer? Mordechai and Esther. Now, in all fairness, how long did that last for? About seven and a half minutes, right? Because even by the end of the Megillah, what does it say? O Mordechai Ratsui Lerov Echad. The majority of people, right? He had 51%. Which, by the way, for leadership in general, 51% is incredible. Right? Any leader could give... Moshe Rabbeinu at times did not have 51%. So that is great, but that's so incredible, right? That by the time we get to the end of the Megillah, right? He's at 51 So there's... Unfortunately, it's hard for Claudio to rally around any one leader or any one person. So the Pazit says at least part of the beauty of the Megillah was for a particular period of time, albeit a short one, we recognize the Tzidkos of Mordechai and Esther. This was in the beginning of the Megillah, right? When, when Haman first hatched his plan with, with, with Achashverosh, the city of Shushan was Tzibrachan, was Nevucha, was Downtron. So Ramasta Ramehacha, Kimi Goy Godol Asher Lo Elokim Krovim Elov. Ravashi Ramehacha, Oanis Elokim. So here we go. So now we're going to get into the Drashas of the Megillah. Very, very, very exciting Gemara. It was in the days of Achashverosh. Amarav Vai Hai. Nebose, this goes back to yesterday's daf. You remember again in yesterday's daf we learned, so there's a Hamach Lokes, Vayihi, Vayihi Bimei. Right, so we saw that Vayihi, Vayihi, 
sometimes means foreshadowing something good, sometimes something bad. Vaihibi may always something bad. Now it's interesting because the Gemara didn't explain why. In other words, okay, we gave our drasha, but, but why? Like, what is it in the word Vayehi that's so bad? So I resisted the temptation to tell you Amar Shah because it was going to be in today's daf. So I figured save it to today's daf. Also, I ran out of time. So the, so the Gemara said, listen to this. What's so bad about the word Vayehi? We'll say, listen to this. Rav says, Vayehi is a contraction for Vayhai. Vayhai is translated as Oi. Right? Oi. Ay, vai, hai, right? Whoa, whoa, what happens? So isn't that incredible? Now, now I understand why vayahi, and ours, poor vayahi, it looks like we're picking on vayahi, which seems such an innocuous word, to which the Lord says it's not an innocuous word at all. Vayahi, vai, hai. There was something overwhelming, which vai literally means ay, like whoa, hai. This, this was an overwhelming episode. Now, both sides, now by the way, sometimes things can be overwhelmingly good. And sometimes things can be overwhelmingly bad. That's why Vayehi sometimes can be, I, I, this was so good, or I, this was so overwhelmingly bad. So, how did the Pasik says, again, by exile you shall be sold there to your enemies as servants. tells us, I will not literally again. Be masculines become disgusted by you in the days of the Greeks. And I will not allow you to be destroyed. In the days of the Persians. So we'll say, who promises us that during every stage of difficulty and persecution, be it the Greeks, the Persians, the Vuchanetzar, Gogu Magog, Hakadosh Baruch who says, "I will never sever my relationship with you." I did not become revolted by you in the days of the Kastiim. Daniel, Mishal, Azaria. I gave you prophets, and I was not repulsed by you. And every stage of the journey, Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us tzaddikim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us leaders who are able to anchor us, able to help us, and able to be the architects of salvation. So the Gemara says, "Lachalos samim Haman." Shemarati lahem Mordechai veEstra. I gave you Mordechai and Esther in the days of Haman. Lahafer brisi itam bime parsim. Shemarati lahem beisrebi vechachme dora. Sechalish Baruch says, "Isn't this a beautiful Gemara?" The Rosh Hashanah says, "Even in times when you are cut off, and even in times when you are exiled and dispersed, I will always give you the proper leaders." to be able to anchor you and to be able to maintain your relationship with me. So beautiful. For I am Hashem, your God, the Asid Lavo. In the future, Ultimately, again, no nation, no nation will ever be able to truly rule over us. And I will say, even those who rule over us will be able to rule over our body but are never able to rule over the spirit of the Jew. Rabbi Levi, Rabbi Levi, again, another introduction to Megillah. So I'll say the Gemara teased us a little bit, teased a little bit with Achashverosh, right? But again, we'll come back to it in just a bit. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Levi, the Pasek here says, the Gemara recording here, the Pasek from Bamidbar. So here the Gemara is actually talking about when you come into Eretz Yisrael, conquer and drive out all of the nations. Because if you don't, whoever you leave behind will be a thorn in your side. So the Gemara says, Good. Achashverosh. Amarav. So we'll say, what does Achashverosh mean? Amarav. Achiv Shel Rosh. He was a brother of the Rosh. Uben Gilo Shel Rosh. And he was very similar in character to the Rosh. We'll say, who's the Rosh? Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to see, by the way, we'll say, not for, not for today. It is fascinating to study Achashverosh from a psychological perspective. Right? Was Ach- We're going to see this. Machlokas in the Gemara. Was Achashverosh very wise? Was he very foolish? But one thing is clear, which is Achashverosh always lives in the shadow of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. In his mind, he always compared himself to Nebuchadnezzar. 
So the Gemara says he was the brother of the Rosh, the, the, the compared to the Rosh. Achiv Sharosh, Achiv Shon Vuchanesa Harosha, Shenikra Rosh, Shenemar Anturesha Didava. Ben Gilosharosh, how is he of the same type of quality of Nebuchadnezzar? Who Harog? Nebuchadnezzar killed Jews. Nebuchadnezzar killed Jews. Who Bikesh Larog? Achashosh also tried to kill Jews. Who Hachriv? Ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the base Hamikdash. Who Bikesh Lachariv? Achashosh wanted to destroy the base Hamikdash. Shneemar. Ubamalkos Achashosh Petrilas Malcho. We're going to see something fascinating. The remember, remember, it was the son of Achashverosh, Daryavesh, Daryavesh, who is the son of Achashverosh and Esther, who allowed for the rebuilding of the second base Hamikdash. Interesting historical fact: the construction of the second base Hamikdash began before Achashverosh. It began before Achashverosh. Achashverosh was the one who halted construction. He stopped it. Why did he stop it? Because he didn't like Jews. Just be very clear. Achashverosh didn't like Jews even before Haman. He wasn't going to annihilate them, but he certainly was not going to allow to facilitate and certainly pay for the construction of our Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. So construction was already underway from the previous Darius and the previous Daryavesh to reconstruct the temple, right? Achashosh comes to power, he stops it. He stops it. He doesn't like Jews already. Again, ironically, Achashverosh's son, also Dayavesh, who happened to be Jewish, right? The son of Esther. He was the one ultimately with Ezra who allows for the total construction of the base of Mikdash. In any event, ultimately, again, the faces of Klal Yisrael became blackened during the days of Achashverosh, Kishulei Kedera, like the bottom of a pot. Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Kol Shezokro, Amar Achlerosh. Why is he called Achashverosh? We'll say this is great. Because whoever says his name gets a headache. Right? Just remembering Achashverosh gives you a headache. Right? That's how, that's how bad he was. Achlerosh. Well whoever, whoever says him says Achlerosh. Doesn't he say Achlerosh? Oh yeah, ach, ach for my head, ach for my head. I will say, that's his name, Achashverosh, ach for my head. I get a headache just talking about him. Rabbi Chanina Amar, Shakol Na'asin Rashin Biyamav. Ultimately, again, I will say, why is he called Achashverosh? Because everyone became impoverished in his days. Why did everyone become impoverished in his days? Why? Shneemar, Vayasmal Achashverosh Mas. I will say, if you notice, by the way, there are three times in the Megillah, in the Megillah, that the Megillah talks about raising taxes. Achashverosh was all about raising taxes, right? Ultimately, again, therefore, Achashverosh, everyone became rushed, everyone became impoverished during his days. Who Achashverosh? So I remember again, it says, me Achashverosh. Who Achashverosh? Who is Achashverosh? What, what does that mean? Listen to this. Who Achashverosh? Who Berisho? Mitchilosov Sofo. He was wicked from beginning to end, right? I will say again, who Achashverosh? Achashverosh didn't change. I will say, just to be very clear, Achashverosh, Achashverosh was opportunistic, right? He wasn't the Chozer B'tshuva. It's not the Pshat that at the end of the Megillah, when he cancels the decree, he sees the light, becomes a lover of Jews, and therefore, I will say, Achashverosh was a Russia from beginning to end. He was an opportunistic with low self-esteem. And therefore, again, whoever built him up is the side that he went to. Haman built him up. Haman built him up. He went to Haman. Esther builds him up. He goes to Esther. So we'll say, this is very important because this is the reason why on Purim, we do not have Hallel, right? We're going to see this in the Gemara. The Gemara says, why don't we say Hallel on Purim? Because the Gemara says, Akate avde achashveroshanan. Because at the end of the Purim story, we are still servants to a despotic, unpredictable, opportunistic king. And therefore, we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Therefore, it's an incomplete salvation. It, it's a young div. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it is an incomplete salvation. So the Gemara says, similarly again, who Esau? The same idea. The Torah says, who Esau? Who Berisho? Righteous from beginning to end. Who Aaron? 
David, who are katan, who bikat nuso mitchilaso va'atsofo. So this is actually very beautiful. What you begin to see says the Gemara something incredible, which is that whenever you see the, the, the Tanakh describing someone as who, who, who tells you that what? A, perf- a person maintains a consistent state throughout their life. And I will say, by the way, sometimes you begin to see that the hallmark of great people is not their perfection, but the hallmark of great people is consistency. Consistency. Right? Moshe Rabbein Rabbosa says, isn't it incredible? I just want to point out. Remember, it says Moshe Rabbein, who Moshe, who Aaron and Moshe, Sadiqim the whole time. Rabbosa says, is that true? Moshe and Aaron were Sadiqim the whole time? Moshe Rabbein made mistakes. Okay, granted, he made like two mistakes, right? <laughs> right? right? But, but, but he made mistakes. Aaron, Aaron make any mistakes? Yeah, like a little one called the eagle, right? A little one called the gold. So I was like, see, see what's amazing is the hallmark of great people is not perfection. The hallmark of great people is consistency. Is consistency. Moshe Rabbeinu was consistently great. Now again, no one's, no, no one's consistent consistently, right? No one's perfect. But what makes great people great is this ability to be consistent. David is consistent. Moshe, and again, all of these great people made mistakes, but despite their mistakes, maintained a heightened level of spiritual consistency. Consistency is what makes us, is what allows us to unlock our greatness. Such an incredible yisod. So the Gemara says, what was great about David? The David who had katan, David ultimately again humbled himself. He made himself a katan. So, when he was young, he humbled himself before his Rebbe. Even when he became king, he humbled himself before his Rebbe as well. So, what's an incredible yisod? Hamolich. So let's remember again, the Pasuk says in the Megillah, HaMolech Mehodu Kush, right? Achashverosh ruled. So Amarav, Shemalach Me'atzmo. It was this very interesting, Machlokis. How did Achashverosh gain the throne? So Rav said, he, he, he coronated himself. He took the throne himself. Some say this as a praise and some say it as a put down. So the Gemara says, Some say even though Achashverosh was not born royalty, there was no one who was as fit for the throne as Achashverosh. And therefore, even though he wasn't royalty, he took the throne. The others say, no, it's actually a put down. He was not fit for the monarchy. Some things don't change, right? Money could buy a lot, including the monarchy. So some say he was totally unfit to be king. Totally unfit to be king. But he had a lot of money. So Baruch Hashem, he bought his way into the monarchy. So the Gemara says, What does that mean? The Kush Besofa Olam. Once say Hodu was on one side of the world and Kush is on the other side of the world. And therefore, again, the Pasik is teaching me that literally Achashverosh was the strongest ruler of the time. He ruled his empire spanned from one end of the world to the other end of the world. And once say no, Hodu and Kush are actually right next to each other. Interestingly enough, they're saying the same thing, the Shaila is in the imagery. Achashirush ruled the civilized world. The Shaila is Hodu at Kush, is Hodu on one side of the world, Kush on the other side of the world, or maybe Hodu and Kush are right next to each other. And the same way he ruled on two, two countries right next to each other, he ruled on the entire world as well. Same idea. So we'll say, so again, here, the Gemara quoting the Pasik, quoting the Pasik from Malach Malach, about Shlomo HaMelech. The Shlomo also ruled over large parts of the civilized world from Tifsach until Azo. Same idea. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmuel Chadamar Tifsach Besofa Olam, Vaazab Besofa Olam, Tifsach was one of the ones, Azab was on the other side of the world, the Chadamar Tifsach Vaazab Hadi Adadi Avakaimah. As they were right next to each other, Kishim Shmuelach Al Tifsach Vaazab Kachmal Kala Olam Kulo. Good. Sheva Viesim Umea Medina, Achasherus ruled over 127 provinces. Amar Avchista, Betchila Malach Al Sheva, 
So the one opinion says the way to read this Pasuk, I will say, it's talking about the expansion of Ahasuerus' empire. First, he ruled over seven countries, then 20, and ultimately 100. If that's the case, So we'll say, here's the problem. Very often, lifespans are recorded in the same way, right? You have years Decades, century. So, what does that mean? He first he lived seven years, then he lived this year. Then, in other words, no. It's meant. It's meant what to add on to each other. So, so to medinos doesn't really mean seven, then twenty, and then one hundred and twenty-seven. Rather, what does it mean? What does it mean? One hundred twenty-seven. So the Gemara says, So, so here is the problem. See, telling us that he ruled 127 provinces, or Mea Ve'esra Meshav Medina, is really extra. Why? Because the Megillah already told me, he ruled from Hodu until Kush. Sheva Ve'esra Mea Medina Lamali. Why do you need it to say 120, right? 120 and 7. Shema Minala Drasha. This comes for a Drasha. So both say, see, we're going to see it's Machlokas. Did he rule over 127 provinces? Or perhaps, no. 120 or 7, 20 and 7. Is that 7... 20 and 100 is actually coming to tell us about the expansion of the empire. But it could be that in total, he only ruled over a hundred different provinces. Okay. So I'll say, here we go. Turn out, I'll say, profound Gemara. Shlosh, Shlosha There are three people who ruled the entire world. Three people who ruled the entire world. Ve'eloin, who were they? Achov, Achashverosh, and Vuchanetzar. Achov, I'll say, remember again, Achov. King Ahav, right? So Ahav, Achashverosh, and Nebuchadnezzar. They all ruled over the entire world. Ahav dechsev, chaya Hashem elokecha, im yesh goy umam lochasha, lo shalach adoni shalom lavakshecha. Im lo, im saligimars v'ilo dahava malach alayu, hechi matzi mashpilahu. Right? We'll say ultimately again, if he did not rule over them, how was Ahav able to get them to pledge allegiance to him? Nebuchadnezzar dechsev, v'hoya hagoy v'hamam lochasha, lo yitena sabaro, v'omelech babel. Achashverosh had the Amr. Achashverosh had what we said. So we'll say Achav, Nebuchadnezzar, and Achashverosh. Three kings who ruled over the entire world. And I will say, by the way, entire also doesn't have to mean entire. What does entire mean? What does entire mean? Majority. Rov. Right? The Marsha brings this down. It doesn't have to mean every single country. It means they ruled over the entire world. So the Gemara says, I'm a base. So the Sulaka, is there no one else? Right? Are there no other people who ruled over the entire world? Vayik Shlomo. What about Shlomo Melech? Shlomo Melech also ruled over a large part of the world, to which the Gemara will say, this is very profound, Lo Salak Malchusei. You know, Shlomo's reign didn't really endure. It didn't really play out. And I will say, this happens today, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Lo Hishlem Malchuso, Shrei Nitshrat. I will say, remember again, this is the wild Gemara, in Meseches Gittin, that speaks about Shlomach's struggles with Ashmedai. Right? And remember again, there is a homachokis exactly what happened to the end of Shlomo Ahmelech's reign. Here's what we know. He was deposed by Ashmedai, the king of the Shadim. The Shailah was, was he able to regain his monarchical footing or not? This is a fundamental machlokas. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, Hani melech behedjot. So according to the opinion that says, Shlomo never really regained his footing. Right? He was a melech, and then he became a, fa- a commoner. And as much as he was able to come back to Eretz Yisrael and kind of regain the throne, he never really regained the full, the full, the full measure of his monarchy. But ultimately, again, according to the opinion that says, no, Shlomo came back and he regained his monarchical footing. So isn't, why isn't Shlomo reckoned amongst the monarchs who were able to rule over the entire world? So which the Gemara says, The truth is, Shlomo HaMelech was in a category of his own. How so? Now, let's say ultimately again, Shlomo Melech was able to rule over the earthly sphere and over the Malachim and Shadim as well. Rashi says, Allah Shadim, not Malachim. Shlomo did rule over the. Yes, Shlomo could be counted amongst the monarchs who ruled over the world, but Shlomo also ruled over the Shadim. That is a different level of rulership. So here we're talking about kings who ruled over the entire physical world. So here we have. Achav, Nebuchadnezzar, and Achashverosh. Shlomo, 
different kind of parsha. Shneimar vayashiv shoma akisi Hashem or vayeshiv shoma akisi Hashem. I have Sancheiruv. What about Sancheiruv? Right, Sancheiruv, the king of Ashur, he also seemed to rule over the entire civilization. Dixiv mi bechal elokei aratz asaila asher tzilos atzam miyadi. So the Gemara says ha'ikel yushayim de lo kavsha. Oh. There was Yushalayim. Rav isn't this incredible? So Sancheirev ruled over the entire world. But remember, remember again, Sancheirev marched on Yushalayim. This is in the days of Chizkiyahu. But ultimately, again, he, is, he was unable to conquer Yushalayim. Remember, again, this was the massive plague that wiped out the armies of Sancheirev overnight, overnight, as he marched on Yushalayim. So he might have conquered the world, but it didn't conquer Yushalayim. We'll say, what an incredible Gemara. If you don't own Yushalayim, you don't own the world, right? The, right. The key, the key to global conquest, right? If you want to be called ruling over the world, you have to have dominion over Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says, "I have a hoikar dar yavesh." What about dar yavesh? Darius dechsev dar yavesh malka kasev lechol amamaya umaya belishna di darim bechol arash amechan yaskan. So we'll say dar yavesh. Dar yavesh seemed to rule over the entire world. Ha'ika sheva dola malach alahu. There were seven countries that Daryavesh did not go ahead and rule over. So interesting enough, his rulership extended over 120, right? Whereas his father had 127, he had 120. So his, his rulership was not absolute. I, Vayika Koresh, what about Koresh, what about Cyrus? Dikhsev, Koamar Koresh Melech Paras. Right? What about Koresh who says that again, God has given me all rulership over all the lands of the earth. This is great. Actually, he was just praising himself. He didn't actually rule the world. Right? He said he ruled the world. He always, you know, you always, everybody knows a guy like that. Right? He says he rules the world, but doesn't really rule the world. Right? So Koresh said he ruled the world. But ultimately, again, he did not actually rule the world. Incredible. I will say, now we come to a fascinating Gemara. So we'll say, here we go. Back to the Megillah. Back to the Megillah. So remember again, just to give you the context, what Pasuk are referring to? So we'll say, remember again, the Megillah here, this is the beginning of the Megillah. What does the Megillah describe? A massive party that Achashverosh made. Made a massive, massive party, right? See, so he made a massive party. So the, so the Gemara is going to try to understand what was at the root of this party. So the Gemara says, so listen to this. Right? So, both say, so ultimately, again, it says, in those days, Right? When Achashverosh literally again was settled, when he was settled on his throne. What does it mean he was settled on his throne? He made a party because he was settled on his throne. So we'll say, watch this. After Achashverosh's mind became settled, that now his throne was solidified. What does this have to do with Rabbi? We'll say, watch this Gemara. Amar. Belshazzar Chashav Vita. Belshazzar, who was two rulers earlier than Achashverosh, he made a mistake. What was his mistake? Well, he says, But I have the right calculations, and ultimately, again, I am not mistaken. Mahi, what are we talking about over here? I'll say, this is incredible. The Chsev, Kilafimelos, quotes over here, quotes over here, the Pasek. Kilafi, it's here. It's Kilaf Kokoma Hashem Kilafi Melos Labavel Shivim Shana Fkot Eschem Bakimosi Alechem Esri. Also, the pasuk in Yirmiya says that seventy years Kilafi Melos Labavel, seventy years from Babel, Hakadosh Baruch Hu said He will redeem us. Remember again, the first base Hamikdash is destroyed, and what's amazing is that diaspora after the first base Hamikdash, Baruch Hu tells us the duration. What's the duration of the first of the Gullahs after the first base Amikdash? 70 years. 70 years. Sachajverus says like this And it says from 70 years from the destruction of the, from, of, of the ruins of Yerushalayim, 70 years. So I will say, now watch this. Watch this. We're going to see the Babylonian kings. Well, it's not just Babylon. Remember again, I will say, you start with, you start with really Babel, then Babel becomes Paras, Persia. 
Persia becomes Madai, then there's a consolidation, Paras Umadai, into one, into one monarchy. So watch this. Belshazzar, Belshazzar is calculating in 70 years. And he thought like this. Arban Nebuchadnezzar. There's 45 years that Nebuchadnezzar ruled. Ve'esrim utlas de'eva morodach. 23 years of Eva morodach. That was, a, that was the ruler after Nebuchadnezzar. Vitarti dide. And two years of Belshazzar. Ha shivim. So Belshazzar thought that the 70 years came to an end two years into Belshazzar's rule. Now, Belshazzar is very excited about this. Why is he very excited? Because 70 years have elapsed, and what? And what? The Jews have not been redeemed. 70 years, so now, now it's a Yomtu, says Belshazzar. Now it's a party. The Jews are officially a conquered nation. They are officially, again, a destiny. So what did Belshazzar do to celebrate? Ultimately, again, he took out the kalim of the Beis HaMikdash, the kalim of the conquered temple, and he made a party using those utensils of both sides. By the way, isn't this incredible? Even Belshazzar, right? Belshazzar, strong ruler. No one was messing with the kalim of the Beis HaMikdash until they were sure that the Jews were down and out. So they calculate 70 years, the Jews are done, now we could celebrate. And how do they celebrate? Take out the king of the base HaMikdash. So we'll say this, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar, how do you know that Nebuchadnezzar ruled for 45 years? So the Gemara says, Dabar Mar, Galu B'Sheva, Galu B'Shmona, Galu B'Shmona Asrei. So we'll say, Galu B'Tisha Asrei, what does this mean? Galu B'Sheva, Lekibu Shoyachim, Galu Shoyachim. Ultimately, again, ultimately, the exile of Yehoyachim occurred seven years after King Yehoyachin was subdued. So, say, so again, remember, there's different stages of Nebuchadnezzar's conquering. So Yehoyachin, Yehoyachin is exiled seven years after Yehoyachin, who was his father, was exiled. She Nebuchadnezzar, which was the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, what does it mean they were exiled in the 18th year? So ultimately, again, excuse me, was exiled in the 18th year after the exile of Tzirkiyo. In the first year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he conquered Nineveh, and in the second year, he went ahead and he conquered Yehoyakim. It was in the 37th year. To the goddess of Yehoyakim, the king of Yehudah, Nasa Eva Merudach Melech Babel. Es Rosh Yehoyachin Melech Yehuda. Eva Merudach actually freed Yehoyachin from his incarceration. Vayotze Osami Beis HaKela. Timni Utlas Timni. So ultimately again, Nebuchadnezzar went ahead and ruled for eight years. For eight years before he exiled Yehoyachin. Utlasen V'Sheva. Hare Arbin V'Chamesh Nebuchadnezzar. So that gives us 45 years of Nebuchadnezzar's rule. Ve'esrin Utlas to Eva Merodach. How do we know that Evon Rodach ruled for 23 years? That's a Gemara, right? That's a tradition that we have. Vitarti delay, and then Belshazzar says, two years into my reign, do the math, Hashivin. Ultimately, that gives us 70 years. Amar, Hashtavadai Sulo Mifriki. Belshazzar was convinced the 70 years had ended, Jews were not redeemed, no redemption in sight. He made a yomtiv. He made a celebration. And what did he celebrate with? The utensil, the very utensils of the Beis Hamikdash. So this is this is Daniel speaking to Eva Moroda. You went ahead and you exalted yourself over Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Mari Shmaya and you took the very utensils of his home. And I will say, so Belshazzar makes a big party, celebrating what? The demise of the Jewish people, and ultimately, the demise of the Jewish God. They're really celebrating over HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And how do you celebrate over HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Take the utensils of the Riban Shalom's home, and celebrate with them in your home, in your castle. And what happened? So I will say, listen to this. That night, Belshazzar was killed. 
right? The night after that party, Balshatsar and everyone else who attended that party ultimately lost their lives. So the Gemara says, Uksiv, Uksiv, Vidar Yavesh Mada Kiba Mahfusei, Kibar Shinin, excuse me, Kibar Shinin Shtin Vitartin. And now we'll say after Belshazzar dies, so we'll say Belshazzar dies as a result of celebrating with the utensils of the Beis HaMikdosh. After that, who becomes king? Daryavish. Now, I want to point out, not Daryavish Achashverosh's son, right? This is a different, this is an earlier Daryavish. This is an earlier Daryavish. This is an earlier Daryavish. So Daryavish, Daryavish becomes king, right? And what happens? Daryavish becomes king at the age of 62. Amar, so ultimately, so we'll say now fast forward. So Daryav, remember again, that Daryavesh actually allowed for the reconstruction of the Beis HaMikdosh, right? He allowed for the beginning of the reconstruction. He, right, he, he has no interest in, 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 in persecuting Jews. Achashverosh comes along now with this off the stop. Amar, Ihu mitatoi, Amachashvina balotaina. Achashverosh says, Belshatsar, he made a mistake with the calculations. I will not make a mistake with the calculations. I'll say we'll stop over here for today. We will pick up tomorrow. Good job, no? I think, I mean, whatever. I think, I think, whatever. I just want to point out. Anyway, we'll say, Mirat Hashem, tomorrow we will continue with Achashverosh's calculations and Mirat Hashem and Baruch Hashem to see how he too was wrong as well. Shkayach, everyone.